0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to Two Bye Guys and this series on bisexual married men released weekly throughout November and December. Except, FYI, I will be off next Monday so I can take a break over the Thanksgiving weekend from editing, but new episodes will resume in December. I have a bunch more already recorded. Can't wait to release them. Between now and then, my book will be released by Sexual Married Men, Stories of Relationships, Acceptance, and Authenticity is officially available on November 30th, which is next Thursday depending on when you're listening to this. I'm hosting a book launch party on Zoom on that day, Thursday, November 30th, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I'm also hosting an in-person event in New York City at the LGBT Center on Saturday, December 2nd, and an in-person event in Los Angeles at Book Soup on January 22nd. To get more info on those events and the link to the Zoom launch party, head to my website, robertbrookscohen.com or check the Two By Guys social media bios. And you can also find links to purchase my book on my website. I am so excited to share it with you all very soon and stay tuned in just a moment for an awesome interview with one of two couples in the book. It's mostly just by men, but there are two couples featured in the book, and today you will hear from Keith and Candace Parnell. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Two By Guys is sponsored by No CD. OCD is more than what you see on TV and in the movies. Imagine having unwanted thoughts about your relationship stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away. That is relationship OCD. It comes with unrelenting, intrusive images, thoughts, and urges about your partner or loved one. This is not necessarily an issue that is unique to the bi community, but it is definitely an issue that affects some people in the bi community. If that's you, breaking the OCD cycle takes effective treatment. Go to nocd.com to get evidence-based treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. NoCD therapists are trained in exposure response prevention or ERP therapy, the gold standard treatment for OCD. With NoCD, you can do virtual, live, face-to- face video sessions with one of their licensed, specially trained therapists, and they accept most major insurance plans. Getting started is simple. You get matched with a licensed OCD therapist right through your phone, do live face-to-face video sessions with therapists specialized in treating OCD, and in between sessions, you can get support with their in-app tools and free peer communities. To find out more about NoCD, visit nocd.com to book a free 15-minute call. everybody welcome to two bye guys welcome back to this series on bisexual married men i'm interviewing people who i already interviewed for my book which is coming out november 30th and so i'm so excited to welcome back and to see my friends keith and candace parnell welcome to two bye guys
1: yeah thank you we're so happy to be back thank
2: you yeah Yeah, (laughs) we're We are super stoked to hear back from you. So.
1: <laughs>
0: it's yeah. lovely to see you again, and I love that I, that we get both of you. You know, most of the book I interviewed just the men, but there's two interviews at the end that are couples, and they're just they're a different shape than some of the others. And I just thought they're really interesting in a whole new layer of like hearing your perspective, Candace, and hearing you guys tell your story together and how that works. And so. I am excited to chat again. Um, If you have read the book or will be reading the book there, Keith and Candace's pseudonyms in the book are... What is it, Evan and Lindsay?
2: Evan and Lindsay, yes. right? And Lindsay. How do you how do you feel about those pseudonyms? Do I, do I identify <laughs> with I, them? We, well, we were talking about that last night. I, I don't mind Evan. I was like, oh, that's, that's a I'm nice not, change from Keith. I'm
1: not sure about Lindsay, yeah, Lindsay <laughs> but is. I can I can get with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, good. I'm glad. Well, well, now you're back to Keith and Candace. so you can be your true <laughs> Candace self today.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so everyone should read your story in the book. There's going to be a lot more details in there than we will get to today. But um, I want to, let's go over it and let's talk about what's happened since then, since it's been a few years since that interview. So, but before I we would go to your story, I want to ask each of you, whoever wants to go first, why did you decide to participate in this project in
2: the first place?
1: You want to go first? Yeah, I can go
2: first. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I think a lot of it had to do with um hearing other stories on the podcast that were so similar to my own story. Um even in the the case that I'm married in a straight presenting relationship. Um and I didn't hear that as much, so I I thought that this this was a good um a good way to Know, be that example.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Yeah. For me, too. I mean, I, I loved your podcast, obviously, and the opportunity to get our word, you know, our side or our story out there, um, because I know that it's not one that's told often enough. And it was something I wished so badly for all those years ago, just to hear an example and see a story like ours. So I was very happy to do it.
0: Yep awesome I love it and uh and we'll get to some of the even more activist work you guys are doing in this space <laughs> a little later so let's talk about the buy journey and the and the journey of your relationship which I know since you've been together since you were pretty young they're <laughs> very intertwined so I I don't even know who to ask i I maybe Keith you can begin but then yeah you guys can tell this story like tell me about your by journey and your awareness of that and how, you know, as the timeline at the same time as your relationship, like how did all that intersect and
2: go? Yeah. Well, I grew up in a, a small town. Um, I wasn't, uh, we weren't super religious, but I went to Baptist church. Um, we were just, it wasn't the queerest place to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> um so i I didn't really have any kind of uh identity or understanding about sexuality outside of binary like it it just <laughs> didn't exist in in my plane. so um i I was the odd one out um and but didn't know there was even an
1: wasn't even uh, on option. the radar yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the,
2: as far as uh bisexual being a, a term. Um, I just didn't know, didn't know what it was. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't, we were together, we got together in high school and I think we were together maybe two or three years, two,
1: about two, two years. years. Yeah.
2: Um, before I, I eventually came out as bisexual.
1: Yanked, yeah. I yanked you yeah. out on accident.
2: We, we <laughs> as bisexual.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, but so so you actually realized it relatively young. I mean, you, two hey, years after you stuff. met, but... Yeah,
1: uh-huh. yeah, you were about 20, yeah. 20-ish. That. But he, I mean, he knew, but he didn't know what it was, you know? So he knew he was different and had these feelings, but didn't know there was a, you know, thing right. for it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned you felt like the odd one out. Like, can you tell me what it was like in that period before you had fully understood bisexuality but you knew something was different what was that like
2: yeah um well i i think i always remembered having crushes on boys and girls i think
1: i think we were just talking about this you were like 12 you said when you first remember something it it was a movie (laughs)
2: I don't even know, but yes, it's basically the same—the same, the same by stereotype uh, you see in a lot of movie memes where it was like you can't pick which one. <laughs>
0: in
2: the mummy, uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe, or something like that. <laughs> yes, the mummy is a good
2: one. <laughs> um, but yeah, you start noticing stuff like that. I think one of the ones that comes up in in some of your other interviews was the underwear aisle. That's always something that yeah i don't know it's it's like your your first public um, because you don't see it in
1: normal life yeah yeah
2: but i don't know but for me it wasn't anything that you ever talked about or acknowledged or even hinted at um for a lot of uh
1: or felt safe enough to even question yeah yeah
2: absolutely um because i don't know you're you're I never actually had a, a super negative reaction um, after coming out, but I don't know if that would have
1: been the case. Been the case mm-hmm.
2: um, if I, the, if I, you had come
0: out yeah. earlier. Yeah. You mean? Mm-hmm. What was the environment like that you were in growing up? Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, <laughs> um, definitely small town redneck <laughs> like <laughs> country like you know he was always definitely I grew up in Orlando which was different um and I moved to our small town and so I didn't have the same experience as he did but he definitely had the very much like small town country yeah. um so just never felt that safety of like even being able to question
2: and I it wasn't so much that there was a um, a super anti LGBT hue, just not of, a presence. There just wasn't mm-hmm. a presence. Yeah, um, I think uh, the first uh, queer person I met was like uh, a cousin of mine's girlfriend, um, and that was curious for me because she was very um, masculine. So it was kind of like a first introduction to like androgyny um, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: first person experience Mm -hmm, of
0: cool. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So then, so then it was about two years into your relationship that you came out. So what led up to that? And then what happened
2: after that?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I don't know what we were doing, but we were looking for something on the computer and I think she was looking for,
1: I was looking for something and found like downloads, Um, (laughs) porn downloads. mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And it was, um, I, I certainly didn't mean to download, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I think it was, uh, when I was thinking back and actually reading back, just looking over our our chapter, chapter, Mm -hmm. um, I like giggled at remembering that it was, basically like your play button and your download button on some players would be like right <laughs> beside each other. So it's very easy to download. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she,
1: I found them found and I was and like, basically, what is was, this. Yeah. It was a denial at first, like yeah. a complete, like, I don't know what that is, you know? And I was not letting it go. And uh, it was just a, like, it, it was, wh- just in that night it evolved from no it's not mine to it's mine i was just curious to i think i'm by, and all within like a span of hours of like a lot of talking and a lot of <laughs> like yanking it out of mm-hmm. him and then after you know in retrospect i felt bad that i had like i kind of pulled him out of the closet with me anyway um but it was definitely interesting situation
0: (laughs) what was going on in your mind that night keith
2: um i think it was just the almost a sense of relief honestly um there i mean there was definitely the the shock factor uh uh uh, a level of embarrassment for being you know even caught (laughs) i mean i think it's assumed that uh a a good chunk of people watch porn, but just being caught—it's. I. It was almost like a, a hand in the cookie jar moment. Um, but I think immediately afterwards, once we were able to talk a little bit more, then it starts coming into your mind. Now this is out. This is a. This is a new avenue for our relationship that. We don't necessarily know how to navigate because we've never had any, it's not there. Like you just don't see it as Mm -hmm. often, especially in a straight presenting relationship, unless there's a real reason to come out as bi. It's, it's, and neither of us really
1: had a, I mean, I don't know. It's like looking back, I'm pretty sure we had a few friends in high school that identified as bi loosely. Yeah. But like, I don't even remember knowing what it really meant. Yeah. It, like, it I was like, okay, really whatever, you know, until it became something that I had to like understand and really, you know, get to know. And, and that was hard. I mean, we were so young and it was a different world <laughs> with no. the internet and there was a lot less no. to find. And so it was, it was, it was weird. And then also he didn't have a lot of answers for me. Because he didn't Mm. really still understand most of it himself still at Mm. that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I had so many questions, you know, but he couldn't give me answers. And that was a problem for so many years because I felt like he was lying to me or Mm. he he was just trying to not hurt my feelings or, you know, I just all I could think of was he just won't open up to me. But he really just didn't know what to say. There wasn't wasn't (laughs) anything there except
2: for the same question marks. Uh, Right. So it's a lot of navigating the, you know, start in the blanks.
0: Yeah. What was going through your mind, Candace, initially? And then how did that evolve for you as you learned more?
1: Um, it's very interesting because initially I was like really shocked and just didn't even know. I didn't really even know what to think. And um, I actually, I don't, I think it was after he told me he was by. I left the house, like went barefoot and was just walking around the neighborhood. It was like nine o'clock at night and just went and left. And um, he ended up coming after me. And it was just I just didn't know. I didn't even know what to say or what to react. I didn't know what it meant because also he was also very, um, always very like, you know, took good care of himself and was cared about his appearance, which was very uncommon where we were from. So people always joked that he was gay. Anyway, and for a long time, his parents would be like, we always assumed Keith was gay. And I was like, oh, hilarious. And then that is all I could think about. I was like, holy hell, he is. He Maybe he is now. That's what it is. That's the big thing. And he's gay and that's all it is. And so, you know, I came back. We talked for a long time. And um, that was the first time I saw him cry. And I think it was just like an insane relief. Uh, it seemed like, you know. Um, and I was like, I love you no matter what, you know, it's, this isn't anything that we can't get through. Excuse me. Um, but of course, after that, I had more time to overthink about it and it just got really bad after that because I just, you know, sat with my thoughts too much. I didn't, I tried to talk to him about it, but he didn't know what to tell me or how to help me because neither of us knew Um, I tried to talk to friends. I think I mentioned that in our chapter two, and it it was just, nobody knew how to deal with it or what to say. All I got was, oh, I couldn't deal with that. Or I think I would always think he was cheating or he's probably just get, even my friends would think that way because they just didn't know how to deal with it. Um, so at first I was like, you know, it's, I I love you. It's fine. And then it just (laughs) got bad after that.
0: Well you you said you had these thoughts like what you know what if he really is gay and that's the thing and what mm-hmm. if he's going to leave me and stuff. Mm-hmm. How did all th- those thoughts make you feel Candace? And then we'll come to you Keith.
1: Um uh it, it was really hard because I think if we had had if he had had a different upbringing it wouldn't have been so deep in my mind. I was like this he's gay he won't ever tell his family this is it this is what it is like i was so convinced because you know i was like of course he wouldn't come out of course he wouldn't tell everyone i'm his beard you know and that's all i could think of and i was like pe- i just this is terrible but i was like people think i'm an idiot like i'm the only one that couldn't see this obviously and then i was just thinking about people joking and his parents always joking i was like oh my god i'm the only one that didn't know And I just felt like, you know, humiliated, which is very selfish, but also just like, how can I ever, it's the pull string of the mixed orientation relationship saga. How can I ever be enough? Even if he's not gay, how can I ever be enough? And, you know, I know now that that's, you know, it's a complicated question for many in the mixed orientation relationship, but That was just all I kept resting on was how can I ever be enough, and I didn't know, you know.
0: So, Mm -hmm. I I want to come back to that thought toward (laughs) the end because it's really interesting. But so, and Keith, when when you guys were in this period where you weren't quite on the same page and figuring it out, what thoughts were you having, and what were you feeling?
1: Stay close to me, uh-huh. so that he's not <laughs> happy to cut us Out <laughs> Stay in the center of the
2: frame. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to get away from you this story. Um, <laughs> There's no escaping. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it was really just trying to find a balance between that sort of newly opened wound of being, you know, exposed. Um, but then, you know, trying to also answer, you know, the questions that she had, which were all like reasonable questions. I, I just didn't know. I I had only recently come into, uh, a term to apply to, to, um, my sexuality. So, um, I think I was, I was scared for what that would mean for our marriage. Um, not having a blueprint of um how how it works
1: normalcy Uh,
2: yeah (laughs) and and it's just things that you don't think of until you're like there in that moment and and then you don't know um you know what to do so i guess that was the biggest thing is i i didn't know what to do i didn't know how it would change what we had already started building together um and and i didn't see that it had to change So I think I would have happily just at that moment, just, you know, backed back into my, my closet and (laughs) been fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think that's honestly where I needed to be at the moment, um, just to figure things out for myself.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think that, that confusion and that fear about what's going to happen is so common for people, especially Mm -hmm. if they don't have examples or have you know don't know anyone else in a similar situation uh it's like what does this look like so mm-hmm. um so how did you guys move through this and and figure it out and as a couple
1: um knowing everything i know now <laughs> i always say that i wish like there i have so many regrets and he's always like that's so stupid you know cuz it made us who we are but it's like I wish, I wish I hadn't reacted the way I did in some ways because I felt like I put more pressure and shame on him um, out of my own fear and insecurities. Um I I say I wish I we would have gone to therapy, but we couldn't afford it. We were broke children. Um, I mean, we were teenagers. you know, living alone, living on our own, going to school and working, you know, we were young. And so it's like, you know, I don't know what we could have done differently. Um, And also, even still, it's a problem finding therapists that understand this, you know, I can't imagine back then. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's not much we could have done differently. But, you know, there was a lot of years of up and down. Um, I mean, he I think he like he said, I think he did retreat back into the closet. And tried to just like not say anything and not, you know, I say I say he wouldn't give me answers. And I think sometimes it was he just tried to avoid um, because he thought that was better. He thought that wouldn't send me down into a black hole um, of depression, you know, because he said the wrong thing. And so, you know, it was a struggle between trying to get him to open up, get him to look internally and learn more about himself um so that he could answer those things and uh you know it caused some things caused a lot of issues with us sexually because it was like it caused a um a performance anxiety for him because it became for me it was like sex was a proof that he was into me right. you know and it was yep. like it it made it no fun for him, you know. Right. And so it really it caused a lot of issues with that. And um, looking back, that sucks. I wish I could change that. But you know, we came, we got through it. We actually um, saw a sex therapist this year. That oh, was fun. Oh, yeah, no, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: how to actually? I think that's. I'm going to pause you because that I think yeah. that's like so incredibly common that part, and yeah. you're not the only you're not the only story in the book that that's come up. Yeah, is, is there any insight you can give us with you know whatever you're comfortable sharing? Like, how did you get through that? What did the therapy help with?
1: We were th- talking about yeah. that last night too. Um, you know, she it's so funny because I've been in this space for so long. I feel like I I am very You know for well versed in all the things there is to know with sex education it's kind of just my thing um so she she really didn't tell us anything we didn't know Mm -hmm. um we're great communicators communication is a skill it's something you have to learn and practice we're not born with it our society sucks at it as a whole um that is literally the most cliche thing but it's the biggest thing learn how to communicate and communicate your needs and um, wants and don't wants uh, and really just realizing that you have to make time, even outside of anything to do with mixed orientation relationships, Mm -hmm. you have to make time for your relationship together. We don't have children yet, but it's like that is so easy to happen for everybody you let children get in the way you let work get in the way you let stress get in the way and um it really just is such it's the little things that matter and um but on top of that just giving each other space to have your thoughts and desires and feelings um and that it's okay um and i see that a lot in the mixed orientation realm of um not being enough and worrying what your partner's thinking. And are they thinking about a guy during Mm. sex? Are they, you know, it just, it just, it's never ending and it can just eat you alive if you let it. (laughs) And it's hard. I've been there, but it's like, I just want to tell people to not overthink it sometimes, but it's really hard.
0: And. Keith, yeah. do you would you agree that the communication and the openness was
2: was what helped push through that one one hundred percent and it was in the beginning, uh, uh, you know she had a ton of questions. I had a ton of questions, and neither one of us had the answers, <laughs> so there wasn't i I attribute the most of the struggles in the early portion of our relationship to that as as we just didn't we didn't know. Enough about
1: anything, anything
2: to have conversations.
1: <laughs> LGBTQ yeah. sexual relationship, anything. <laughs> so,
2: so I mean, the only way you're going to know things is to you know educate yourself mm-hmm. on it, and then have conversations with other people, and start building, uh, you know, a group and a safe space to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that was it, and mm-hmm. and it's one. It's something that I always um, come back to uh, with a lot of mixed orientation relationships and the, a lot of the blame for the failure of their relationship is on a square peg, round hole, mixed orientation relationship. And what ends up happening in a ton of the ones that we're looking into is this could have been a gay, gay, straight, straight relationship and it would still fail mm-hmm. You're be, mm-hmm. because you're not... You're not doing the basics mm-hmm. um, and the basics, it's an open, open line mm-hmm. of communication.
1: Yeah. Right. The underlying issues have nothing to do with sexuality the most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is right. what we've found. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, how, it's like the toll that censoring yourself takes. Mm-hmm. Even sometimes you don't realize you're doing it, but if you're not asking for what you want and what you need or, mm-hmm. yeah, just it, it takes this toll that disconnects people. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it starts building resentment yeah. and confusion, right. and then particularly when I mean, both of us have habits of overthinking things. <laughs> um, so I mean, and once you take a little seed like that, and and it starts, you know, going off in your echo chamber, it, it gets carried away <laughs> very easily. Totally.
0: Um, in all this communication, as you worked through this, did non-monogamy come up at all? and what were those discussions
1: like? Yeah, I mean, that was something and we talk about that in the book a little bit, is I, I struggled with that a lot because he had never had any opportunities to be with anybody else. And so a lot I struggled a lot with, you know, well, how do you know? How do you know you're by? but also how do you know you won't need it in the future or you know, won't be curious in the future or whatever. So that was, you know, something that I struggled with and I'm a, I am an inherently monogamous person <laughs> and I, I just, I knew that about myself. Um, but from the very beginning, I always said that if anything ever, you know, if he ever felt like he needed that, it became a need that, you know, we could maybe try like a threesome situation. Um, but that was the only thing I was comfortable with as a committed, in a committed relationship, you know, if it was a need, you know, it'd have to be something we both did and both enjoyed and someone we both enjoyed.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think, uh, it was sort of, More amply. I'm sorry, can you hear the cat?
0: (laughs) I can, but that's okay. There's a long history of
2: dogs and cats interrupting two by guys' interviews. (laughs) Um I so I I don't think I ever felt it as a need. Um and I think that was something that I I said very early on, but it's it's hard to hear that on the other side. And believe it when, when every other story that is along the same route, you know, the route as ours, it's, it's uh, the man is wanting to. Every
1: story in the open, I will say. Okay. Yeah. Because that's an, that's an important differentiation because I, that's something I always tell people is the happy, normal, successful boring relationships mixed orientation relationships aren't in forums looking for support they're not in reddit complaining they're not so it's like all you see is my husband cheated on me Mm -hmm. or wife um my partner cheated on me or my partner came out to me and in the same breath asked to have sex with somebody else which is okay you know, but no. that when that's all you see, and then you're you're in the throes of this new fearful situation, and you get online and that's all you see, you're like, Well, we'll just end it now because I can't handle this. Or they just feel pressured to give in to non-monogamy when they don't truly want that. And non-monogamy is so hard in any circumstance, <laughs> let alone one that's not starting on a good foundation. So it's really hard because it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just in this realm, it's like, that's all they see. And that's, it really Mm -hmm. makes it feel. There's,
2: there's not enough success stories for it to be, you know, uh, if you have a successful uh, poly relationship, I I applaud that. Uh, But I, I, again, with any other relationship, the amount of communication that (laughs) um, is needed to sustain that. Yeah long term.
1: And if you're not um, already no. not communicating, yeah. <laughs> it's that, like right. not right. going to work.
0: Right. The communication is key and it de- I mean, it definitely won't work if both people don't want it and if one person isn't communicating that, then it yeah. it breeds the resentment we talked about and it's it is interesting that people associate this so closely together, but the statistics show that bi couples are only very slightly more likely to be non-monogamous. It's Mm -hmm. still the majority of bi people are still monogamous. Mm -hmm. And in the book, you know, there were a few cases of infidelity, Mm -hmm. a few cases of open relationships that are consensual and working. And then a few that tried opening up briefly and went back to monogamy. And then another few that have remained monogamous the whole time. And the majority of stories in the book have landed on on monogamy. Uh, And so, you know, it's just this misconception that's out there that they're identical and that, and that that's the only path forward.
1: It is. Yeah. And it's hard because, you know, as the straight partner, they get online, (sighs) online, and that's all they find, you know, they go to Reddit, which is a cesspool anyway. And all they find is like the worst of humanity and people like not just by people but people bragging about cheating and bragging about and it's like you, it's so hard to get people to just like steer away from that and not get into a rabbit hole and then they, that's all they do is associate that with their partner's sexuality and you can't mm-hmm. separate it no matter how much you try you can't get them to separate it and i understand it cuz i was there but it's just it's like how do we how do we fix it i don't understand i don't right. know <laughs>
0: Right. And certainly for some people that happens and someone's, you know, is (laughs) cheats and then that hurts that part. But yes, we shouldn't generalize it. So, so Candace, tell me about like what you did with those feelings you're talking about, like you couldn't find a good space. And so you created one, like what led to that and, and why'd you do it?
1: Yeah. I mean, of course this was over 17 years ago. The internet was a very different place. (laughs) Um, you know, because I tried to talk to a few friends that didn't work. That was all I had. I didn't know what else to do. There weren't books. Um, I went to the internet and I found a really awful group, um, that at the time was on Yahoo. Um, they've been around since like the eighties and, you know, unfortunately it is just full of those people that are very angry and rightfully so. A lot of them are, a lot of them are older. Um, you know, there was a different generation. The men will never likely ever come out. Um, and they're just living with that shame and guilt and they are hurt and they've been hurt. And some of them, their partners are narcissists. Like, you know, and that's another thing that gets thrown around so much in this community, in the mixed orientation community is like not every non-straight partner is a not lying, abusing, cheating narcissist <laughs> just because they were afraid to be who they were but that gets thrown around a lot in some of these really negative communities um and i mean i got in there and they were they were like your your husband's already probably cheating um and you're just naive and if he's not he will and he'll he'll open up he'll want to open up the relationship they all do um and so that was what i had that's all i had and it was like, it almost destroyed us. And that's, I attribute that to a lot of our problems. I, I couldn't, it was like a cancer. Once I had those ideas in my head, I couldn't get them out. And so I left those groups. Um, but I actually became a resource for that group for people who wanted to make their relationships work. And so they would send the very few people <laughs> my way. Um, and I would just communicate with them through email and, and, try to be positive with them even though i didn't know what i was doing myself and i was struggling but i was like look you know we can just we have great partners and we can try to make this work and nobody else was saying that um and then i ended up creating i I joined another group that was okay but it was yahoo groups also and i hated that group the group format um so eventually i created a facebook group but nobody would join nobody was everyone wanted to be, they were too afraid. Um, it wasn't anonymous, so they wouldn't join. They wouldn't. So it sat for like two years with like 10 people in it. Um, because nobody was, everyone was so afraid to be found out or, you know, and that's a big struggle still. Um, Reddit is my biggest, I have a Reddit group too, that I kind of took over that someone abandoned. And, um, Reddit is the biggest one because people just want to be anonymous. Um, which makes me sad, but I get also. Um, but it just makes it hard to be personable. And <laughs> but yeah, uh, created the groups, and we actually created a website that um, ended up being harder than we thought to find positive resources. Sadly, <laughs> um, so we just share whatever we find. Your podcast, you know, stories we can find. I tried to be a blogger, but I I got so hung up on. Being scared to trigger people because I knew everyone's story was so different, and um, I felt like I was trying to like preach positivity and what it could be, but it was like everything I said would trigger somebody. And I just I have to get over that. I know I do, <laughs> but I don't want to make someone's journey harder either. Um,
0: right. That's a wonderful impulse, but yeah, there's there's a, a, a infinite opinions on yeah, on the internet. I know. Yeah.
1: yeah. It is. Yeah. So we're trying to we're trying to reboost that it links to our support group. So we're thankful for that at least and people do find it. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to find positive resources, positive studies, positive or just any studies. I mean, about mixed orientation relationships and bisexuality. It's hard to find.
0: So, yeah. 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 And Keith, when you think about all those negative comments of like he he's got the wives saying, oh, he's going to cheat on me or he's going to need to have sex with men or he's whatever right. you know this and that confused and gonna how do you how does that make you feel and how did you get
2: involved with this support group and everything um i i am not as active as i should be in the support group just to put that out there this this is the she's, she's pushing it through okay
0: um, okay well stick, stick with my first question i shouldn't have asked you to it no like... no that's okay <laughs> How do you feel about, about all those comments? Yeah.
2: I, I feel like I, I view most of those comments from the lens that the environment that they're being put into is, is a bunch of people who have been wronged Mm -hmm. and hurt at some point. And, and the things that they are saying i don't think are illegitimate for their stories their personal stories um but that but the part where it does get rough is where where it's not their story isn't my story um their story isn't necessarily you know two usernames down story like it's everyone is is going through a different journey and
1: But they've it's all just, it's almost like where I've made my mission to try to prove it can be different, yeah, their there's, mission there's is like a drive to, to it. prove I don't that understand yeah, it. it's um, really. and they talk to me like I'm an idiot, and like I am like pushing false positivity, like toxic positivity, and like, I mean, it's just you name it. they are just and I understand their pain. <laughs> yeah. but it's just it's so when it when they're going in there and telling people, mm-hmm get a lawyer and start divorcing your husband who just came out to you last night. It's like, that's not okay. You know, yeah. it's not okay. And it's yeah. so hurtful. These are open forums that like peop- these, you know, it's just really sad.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's the biggest thing. It's sad. There's, there's nothing I like. I don't like to say, but I do say uh, you can't save them all. <laughs> Um wait my my goal um in in being vocal about my sexuality and wanting our story out there is to connect with other people who are wanting to make their relationship work just mm-hmm. like yeah. any other relationship despite sexuality mm-hmm. um and just providing um you know about a bouncing board if needed just for it, I and mean, most folks that reach out to me are just asking just general general questions. Uh, things. Instagram. That, his, it's it's his, usually his, Instagram. Because
1: yeah. um, he uses hashtags like buy guy or yeah. whatever. And people yeah, find and it, him that it way. It
2: allows someone huh. to come in and they'll ha- start having a conversation. And it, a lot of times it'll be the same type of um, place that we were, you know, 17 years ago. Um, yeah. So I'm able to kind of give them... Mm-hmm you know, I don't know, some, some form of hope. I mm-hmm. it's, it's because we didn't have that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And right. it, it just. Right.
1: But it's hard too, because like I struggle sometimes with wanting to push people to come out to their partners. And I just forget that not every partner is me, <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah. uh, and I, I, I've struggled with that sometimes because I'm like, people will message me on Reddit and then they'll delete their account and I'll never see them again. And I'm like, god like did i send them into the end of their relationship like it's really hard and i i'm i worry about that because i just want people to be honest but i want them to just be able to be themselves right and they deserve that but it's such a hard thing in this in this setting to navigate that
0: <laughs> right i totally agree but and i get i get the conflict <laughs> in you and that but but i also think that being your authentic self especially in a relationship is possibly more important than that relationship continuing forever if it's not authentic then is it is it the right one
2: and that's that's a conversation that we run into pretty quick frequently as well as you know if if it's if it's not going to work You know how what can you salvage of this relationship maybe you're not intimate partners anymore Mm -hmm. but where where does that go especially with uh couples that have children Mm -hmm. or that their family is very integrated into their relationship um that's that's a whole dynamic that you have to have to communicate (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Hear about. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah i can't wait for you guys to read the rest of the book because there are I other know. stories in the book that are exactly like that yeah there's a little bit more with keith and candace coming up but there is even more on patreon there are over 35 minutes of bonus content with keith and candace Yes, 35 minutes. We talked for a while because there were two of them and we had a lot to talk about. Plus, there is a full video of the entire interview exclusively at patreon.com slash Robert Brooks Cohen. We talked about the response to Keith's coming out, including an interesting response he got from his grandmother. We talked about the backlash that Candace sometimes receives for celebrating her husband's sexuality. We talked about what's changed in their relationship over the past three years since the initial interview, the short version is that everything is better we chatted about when they attended their first pride something that used to terrify candace we circled back to the fear of not being enough for a bi partner and we talked about what they're looking forward to in the future which turned into a really interesting discussion so head over to patreon.com slash cohen for 35 more minutes with keith and candace plus full videos of this entire series on by married men, bonus content on all future episodes and early access to everything. Thank you for listening and supporting to bye guys. And now here is more with Keith and Candace. Last question: <laughs> How does your sexuality, Keith, and and being part of a mixed orientation relation, uh, marriage, Candace, how does it bring you joy?
1: Yeah, wanna go? Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: I think it, I, I just, I do get a tremendous amount of joy in in just being happy with my sexuality. I, I think as simply as it, that sounds, um, when it's something that's constantly in your head all the time, and um, like I. I, I could get in dark places just putting myself back into that mindset of before I was out. Um, so I, as, as much as there was a struggle and a somewhat resistant learning curve, um, I'm, I'm happy um, in, in my understanding and, and in my sexuality. And, and I'm, I'm comfortable am comfortable talking to and on the subject, uh, because that's what I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it's nice to come full circle with it, with mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the folks that I connect with, um, to be able to, you know, fill that gap for them.
1: Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I don't have anything else to compare it to, I mean, he's pretty banging in general, and I—I—I I, I don't know if that's attributed to his sexuality. <laughs> he's a great guy. He's not like toxic masculinity, you know. I don't have to worry about nothing to that, you know. We always joke that that's because he's bi. We just attribute it to that. Um, I swear that bi guys are just more well-rounded, and I don't know. It just seems like they're just, you know, that's, right. That's I swear. A, I like that yeah, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there just is a. Um, a, a lack of shame or not shame, just, I don't know. I can't even explain it. I don't know. And you see, I see bi folks, bi guys talk about this a lot in in communities where they didn't, they having a bottoming for someone literally gave them a different appreciation for being a woman. And I feel like even if someone hasn't done that, I just feel like they have a different, um, Outlook on relationships and existing in the world. Sometimes, I mean, obviously there's bad people of any type, but I don't know. I just feel like I don't have anything to compare it to. I know he's amazing. Maybe it's because he's by.
2: Oh, I and <laughs> I don't. I think the same way that I. I once I started viewing sexuality on a spectrum, mm-hmm. it's hard not to apply that same spectrum mentality to everything, and you start seeing perceptions in ways that you wouldn't otherwise have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that attributes it maybe, to the yeah. awesomeness of, of, of bisexuals yeah. is um, once, once you came to a point where you can see stuff in a broader, yeah. Um, broader light.
1: Yeah. I mean, we have, I, I feel like our we have, ju- we just have so much joy together in general. I feel like it does relate to our, our mixed orientation stat- status as well. Like, you know, we're very open with each other. There's really, you know, there's nothing I wouldn't do for him if he came to me and was like, I want to try this. There's literally nothing I wouldn't do regardless of his sexuality, mm-hmm. you know. But I feel like we've gotten to that point because we are just mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, it just doesn't matter. None, none of it matters. Yeah. Well, there's there's, <laughs> you know? an, an,
2: there's a, an open communication <laughs> and trust built in yeah. to that it, Asterisk that goes over, I'll, I'll do anything. Yeah, um, because we we've, we've built that. Yeah, um, that's not something I, I would encourage <laughs> everyone to expect yeah. from their partner. Yeah, um, yeah, without a considerable amount of communication and, and trust and trust. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I just definitely I have so much joy in you know having the community that we have the support groups. And being able to come and talk to him about everything and like bouncing each other off, you know, things off of each other. And um, I feel like it's helped us being in these groups because we're always talking about the relevant issues or, you know, and um, it's helped us grow in that also. And um, I definitely, you know, enjoy and look forward to being A light for somebody, even though our story is different than a lot of people's. Um, You know, I just, you know, all relationships, if you just take sexuality out of it, I think so many people struggle in silence with so many things, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sex very much included. Um, And if we could just get past that in general, that would be like, Monumentous, you know.
2: Sexual discussions yeah. everywhere. Yes, all the time. all the time. <laughs>
1: I, can, I, know, I am all nice. ready to have an awkward sexual conversation at any dinner party. <laughs> I am here for it.
0: <laughs> They're the best. They're the best. <laughs> yeah, i I love everything you said, and it just makes me think about how, like, I think bisexuality or a- any kind of queerness can be a gateway. A gateway to viewing things on a spectrum and looking at the world differently. A gateway to better communication because it forces it. A gateway to overcoming shame that then you can apply to Mm -hmm. other areas of your life. And so everything you've been talking about is is a clear example of that. And I'm I'm glad that you found so much joy in this experience. (laughs) Yeah. yeah so thank you so much keith and candace for coming uh on the podcast it's uh it's amazing to see you again and hear the updates and i'm so so excited for everyone to read your story in the book yes. and, and for you to read the others too but mostly yes. for yes. everyone to read yours <laughs> yes. yeah thank you again so much for being here this yes. has been great yeah. keith and candace thank, thank you, so you.
1: Much. we're so happy to be here
0: Two by Guys is produced and edited by me, Robert Brooks Cohen, and it was created by me and Alex Boyd. Our logo art is by Caitlin Weinman. Our music is by Ross Mincer. We are supported by The Gotham and we are part of the Zencaster Creator Network. Visit patreon.com slash Robert Brooks Cohen for bonus content, early access, and exclusive video episodes. Thanks for listening to Two by Guys.